Okay, so last week I said that I had uh, three sermons left. This is the second of three. And someone asked me, what are your favorite scriptures? Not knowing that I was going to preach on them. And the first one was last week, which really wasn't a sermon. It was like a, a vignette of Antley on crack, doing, trying to speak as quick as he could. Um, and uh, it was on Luke. I know, I should have said that, Martha. I know, I, I see you. I see her. Don't worry, Martha. A few weeks. You'll be begging for me to be up here saying awkwardly inappropriate things from time to time. It was on Jesus coming to set the captives free, you know, letting the oppressed go, and, uh, you know, bringing the liberty, practical things of how we live out the gospel, that it's just not about what we think, what we believe, but there's actually things that we are called to do, and when we do that, we are glorified. God lifts us up and will lift us up on the last day and say, and everyone will see what God has done in us. So he will be glorified through us. And really that's what happens. And that's what he's talking about in that scripture. Um, today is John 10.10, which is, um, you know, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I've come to give life to the full. Love this scripture. You're going to have to turn me down because I'm about to get excited. Love this scripture uh, for a lot of reasons, for a lot of reasons, okay? Next week, though, I'm going to fit, uh, two weeks from now, my last sermon will be on the first scripture and sermon I ever did at River City Church. It's October, the sermon was done on October 13th, 2005. I'm not going to tell you what the scripture is, but uh, it's going to be bomb diggity, okay? If I can get through it. Okay, so this is what uh, C.S. Lewis says. It's not specifically about this, this verse, but it's about uh, mere Christianity, in the, in the first chapter called Invasion, it says this. One of the things that surprised me when I first read the New Testament seriously was that it, takes, that, was that it talks so much about dark powers uh, in the universe. A mighty evil spirit who was held to be the power behind death and disease and sin. Christianity agrees. This universe is at war. I cut some parts out of there. Okay, what I love about this scripture is this is that it talks about the reality that we are at war, okay? You can take that down. That we are at war, because no one's paying attention to me. That we are at war. There's a bit in there that I didn't get, so, I mean, I just took it out. And you guys are, what does that mean? The reality is that we are at war, that there is an enemy, and that there is a good king. That there is a bad guy, and that there is a good guy. That there is a good kingdom, and that there is a bad kingdom, okay? And so, again, it's one of those scriptures that communicate to us, hey, here's the reality. It's not about what you think. And if you think the right things or you believe the right things and you go to church every Sunday and that's all you ever do, then you are missing it. You are not going to experience life to the full. If you are not engaged in the battle, then the qu- one of the questions you have to ask is, are you a part of the, the, the one of the, you know, you're part of the battle against evil, if you're not engaged, which means if, you're not, if there are not times where you feel attacked, if there are not times where you feel like, man, the enemy is for real, just look at my life, look at my marriage, look at my, my family, look at my, my finances, look at these things, look at, look at the things, that, the brokenness or the poverty or the, the devastation that's happening in the world and engaging in that, your heart doesn't engage in those things, then you have to ask that question, Right? Right? Because Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship, a relationship with a king who has given us, who has given us to rule and have dominion 
over this earth to expand the Garden of Eden. You know, let heaven come. Let heaven come. That's what it's about. That's heaven coming, you extending the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness. Now, here's good news. Is that the Bible tells us, look, doesn't matter. War is over. But the enemy is jacking around with you. Little battles. The war is over. The kingdom of darkness will never, never, never overcome the kingdom of light. But that's not to allow us to disengage, right? Because if you disengage, you do all the right things, you go to church. I'm not saying you're not, you're not going to heaven. I'm just saying your life's going to, I want to say suck, but I'm not going to say it. Your life is going to be boring. You are going to be a boring person. You are going to be a boring Christian. And you're going to feel the boredom. You're going to feel and be like, man, I thought being Christian, I mean, what's going on? Where's the life to the full? Well, you're dodging, you're dodging what creates the environment for you to experience the best life, for you to experience a life that is dependent on Jesus, that is dependent on a supernatural reality, which is dependent of the Holy Spirit moving through you in power. That's what next week's talk is about, I'll tell you that, is that the Holy Spirit moving through you in power, that's what is exciting. That's why I like the scripture. That's why I like it, right? Because I can go to anybody then, anybody, no matter what their circumstance in life, no matter how painful they're going through, no matter what's happened, no matter what the tragedy, no matter what the brokenness or the wound or the situation they're in, I can go to them and say, Jesus has more for you. You're being attacked by the enemy. The kingdom of darkness is swallowing you up. But here's the promise that Jesus is the light of the world. That he has come to free you, to set you free, to bring the captives, to get you out of there. Whatever it is, Jesus has come to give you life to the full. To give you the abundant life. To give you the best life possible. When, and I want to say one thing. That when I say the best life possible... I'm not talking about, like, going and serving the poor is going to give me the best life possible. Or when I share the gospel with my coworker, that's the fullest life. Or whenever I go and be a missionary. Or I go and be a pastor. I'm not talking about, that's not the best life necessarily. Those are part of the best life. But man, full life, best life is like, Having fun fishing and not catching anything. Like, whoa, this is awesome. You know, best life is watching your kids grow up and finding joy in them. Best life is going on trips and creating experiences with your friend. Best life is playing in the band. Best life is getting through life with an abundance of joy in the midst of the storms. Abundant life is about all the adventure, all the excitement, everything that God created us for. That's what heaven's going to be like. A better version, a complete version of our earth. Here's, um, I like, I've had seven knee surgeries, a hip surgery, I have torn shoulder stuff. I, that's what, I, my philosophy in life is, I'm going to go for it, and when I need surgery, I'll get it. When I was 21, I blew my ACL, he's like, yeah, you have premature signs of arthritis, you probably shouldn't run. Well, I'm like, forget that. Like, I'm living life to the full, and whenever I need knee surgery, I'll have knee surgery. And so I did, and I had seven, and then I just had them both replaced, and so... But I wouldn't trade it for the world because I want to live life to the full in every way. I ended up doing triathlons, I ended up running, I ended up doing things. Here's one of the crazy things that I love to do 
that uh, I've done, and, and I've, I tore my bicep doing this, and I got bruised up pretty bad. And so here's a video just kind of capturing that. We're going to watch it. You ready, Kevin? The volume's up. You're going a little faster than me. Okay, bad things up here, bad things. Oh, oh I'm going to fall. Oh. <laughs> Holy crud. That was a hard one. Dude, you all right? Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. We were on huge bikes, and they were so heavy. And, 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 and that was the first time I fell. I probably fell 20 more times because we had street tires, and we were in the mud. But I love that. I mean, I, I, I see that every time I show that. It doesn't matter. I laugh my head off. I love it. And, and I, I mean, I, last time we went, I was going 30 miles an hour. Rossi was with me, Finn. I hit some sand. I went flying over the handlebars, and Finn looked up, and my feet were in the air. And I landed, and I was just like, all safe. Here we go. Banging it up, and we were back in it. Like, that's life to the full. Like, you don't want to get on your deathbed. You don't want to be lying down and being like, I wish I would have whatever. I wish I would have. Quit spending money on big TVs. Spend it on experiences, right? Like, life to the full is everything, encompassing everything, and that is the spiritual. There's no difference between the secular and the spiritual. The secular is being redeemed on earth as it is in heaven and will be fully redeemed where we're in heaven one day, okay? So that's what I mean, life to the full. This is scripture. Dang, that was a flippant introduction. Okay, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Father, just open our hearts to this, that your truth, that your truth would find its way there and bring us out of the darkness, would, would bring us into true life, true joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so like you read that and we kind of expect like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be attacked and on the way home I'm going to get in a wreck. Or, or that I'm going to get cancer, or that um, something bad, really bad is going to happen, okay? And we'll, and we'll know that that's the enemy, and it probably is. But that's not the primary way the enemy gets us. He tricks us, all right? He's the subtle ways. He takes, little, he takes truths, and he twists them just enough to where we get confused, where we lose our way in little ways, and then we slowly drift out into the sea of complacency, and we settle. When a lifeguard or a Navy rescue person, that's the knee, rescue person or Coast Guard, treat, um, when they fly out there, there's an emergency in the ocean, they, um, they treat people, and they, and they weigh out, they figure out what's their degree of consciousness, okay? And there's four, there's four levels of degree of consciousness, okay? And the first one is alert and orient, oriented times four. Okay, that's how we all are right now, unless you got a concussion on the way over and you're not sure about where you are or something. Okay, so that is alert and oriented times four. It describes everyone in everyday situation. They know who they are, where they are, what time it is, and what just happened. 
Okay. Now, if someone suffers a blow to the head, okay, and um, and they lose something, okay, the first thing that they will lose is memory of recent events, like what happened, right? I was watching the Chuck Liddell, you know, Randy Couture fight last night in UFC, and Joker gets popped. He lays down and gets up, and he's like, "What's going on? Where am I?" And they're like, "You just lost the fight, buddy. Just stay down. Just stay down." There's times where that happens in UFC and the person who's getting jacked around, getting beat up, like tries to recover and starts wrestling the referee because he's so confused. So that would be, you know, dazed and confused probably by two or whatever, not dazed and confused, but um, alert and oriented by three. The last thing, alert and oriented by zero, is you lose your identity. You lose your identity. A person that has lost all all four levels of consciousness right down to their identity is called alert and oriented times zero. We exist, nothing more. We exist, nothing more. We look, we look alive, we sound alive, but we are not functioning as we are created to function, right? And we are zero, we are confused in that situation. That is how the devil gets us. That is how the enemy attacks us. He attacks us, and then first it's level three, then it's two, then it's one, and in complacency, eventually you're out to sea, and you have forgotten who you are. You've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten that you are a son and a daughter of the king. You've forgotten that you are his beloved. You've forgotten that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. No height, no debt, no principality, none of that. None of that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. That is who you are. That is who you are. You have lost your identity. But, and, 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 one of the, and again, when Jesus says, I've come to give life to the full, that's what he's restoring. He's reminding us. He's bringing us into our identity. Now, the enemy, why would he attack us that way? Because he knows if we forget who we are, we are useless in fighting for God's kingdom. We are useless. We won't do it. We'll, we'll avoid that. We'll go on the path of least resistance. We will lose our identity, forget who we are, forget that there's a battle, believe that being a Christian means that I give, I show up, I check the box, I... You know, try not to do this, and I behave this way. That is religion. That is you having lost your identity. And the enemy loves that, and he says, oh, yeah, you're being a good Christian. You're being great. He lies in your ear, and you think it's God. But the fruit is not consistent with the Bible. What the Bible tells us the abundant life looks like. So our identity is that we are God's children. We are heirs. We are heirs. Right? Whenever we've lost our identity, we forgot not only who we are, but what's our purpose? What are we doing? We're heirs to, fulfill, to, to the full life Christ died to give us. And our purpose is when we live like this, this is, like we live like this is true, we fulfill our purpose, which is to glorify God. Those are the two biggest questions that Christians and non-Christians ask. Like, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Why, what is my purpose? Why am I here? That informs who I am. That gives us our identity. And we say that, like, okay, my purpose is to glorify God. Wah, wah. Well, that's like back to religion, right? Like glorifying God. What in the heck does that mean? I'm going to tell you. Irenaeus, Irenaeus, St. Irenaeus says this. The glory of God is a man or a woman fully alive. What? 
That's like this talk on the nose, right? The glory of God. God is most glorified when we are living life to the full. He wants us to have a full life. He wants us to enjoy his creation. He wants us to enjoy our wife and our kids and our job. He wants us to enjoy all of those things. And when we do, people see that and they're drawn to God because we're glorifying him. God's like, that's my boy. Look at Antley falling on the motorcycle, getting back up. Falling on the motorcycle, getting back up. He's loving life. He's experiencing life. And it doesn't have to be necessarily adventure all the time. It can be crochet. It can be knitting. It can be cheese making. You know, whittling things out of soap. I mean, there's a lot of things. I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that, I don't do that. But if you did, that's okay. Whatever it is. It can be being with friends. It can be whatever. I'm going to stop because I don't know what might come out. All right. And we fully glorify God. So here's a William Wallace quote. Like this has been quoted in like a gajillion sermons. He says this. I'm going to begin it. Someone's going to complete it. Every man dies. Fully lives. Is it up there? Oh, hell. I know Martha. I shouldn't have said that either. Sorry. I got two left. They're going to fire me. Okay. Right? Okay. And so... And so every man dies, but not every man or woman fully lives. Fully lives. That's what the invitation is, to fully live. This is not about happiness. This is not about happiness. Because some of the greatest experiences we have in life come in the greatest sorrows. I was going to share this. So this past week was my last elder meeting, right? And uh, it was pretty emotional. I'm not going to get emotional now. And I had this picture of Jesus escorting me out. Of the, of the room, and he just, he revealed to me the privilege it was to sit around that table with those men for 14 years, and to not only sit, but to lead, and so he, I felt like he called me to, to intercede, so I'm in the parking lot, right, I'm losing it, like I'm crying, heaving, uncomfortable, or whatever, I'm having this picture, and I have this awareness of the privilege that I've never, ever had about being in ministry, being called to ministry, ever, because the picture was Jesus calling me in, like opening the door to come in and then him leading me out. It was was incredible. And in the midst of that, realizing the privilege and interceding and and, and just weeping, I felt this tremendous joy, a joy that I've never felt before, a joy in the reality of a Jesus who loves me so much, who has called me to something so great, that allowed me to participate in something so magnificent. The joy, just the joy in that, and it trumped all of the other emotions. All of the, the, what was happening, all the circumstances. And I'm telling you, that is a greater, it was a greater joy than I have experienced maybe ever in my life. Someone said, well, does that make you regret or think about like you're not supposed to be leaving? I'm like, no. Jesus is letting me taste what is ahead. He has, he has shown me, Antley, and your obedience, you're going to have this. You're going to have more of this. I've told you that this is about me and you. And I'm going to reveal more and more of who I am to you. And you'll experience more and more of my joy. Um, okay, moving right along. Okay, so in this scripture, one of the things, I want to, I want to teach a little bit on it. Uh, and I'm going to back up into it. It says, the thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy. Okay, now we always associate the devil with the thief, Right? Because ultimately, the devil is the thief. 
The devil is the ultimate thief who is manipulating people on our earth to cause all the, the destruction, okay, that's killing us, that's stealing us, that's destroying us. But in this passage, Jesus is not referring specifically to the devil, okay? He's referring to the religious leaders, the fat, the Sadducees, the uh, Sadducees, the Pharisees, a Pharisee and a Sadducee who get married are a Sadducee, okay? A, a Pharisee, a Sadducee, the scribes, all the, the, you know, all the priests, come on, all right, all the priests, all the religious people who were piling on these laws and were oppressing, who were, who were piling, piling on these rules and excluding people from being in the family unless they did X, Y, and Z. You know, there are 613 laws that they had to obey. And when they, obey, when they didn't obey them, what happened? What happened is the, these priests got elevated. They felt better about themselves. They felt good. But what was happening is they were robbing, they were robbing these people of their freedom, of their liberty, of the life that God created those laws for to bring them to experience more of his love. And so Jesus is talking to them. And he's saying, look, this isn't what religion is supposed to look like. This isn't, what, this isn't who I am. Like, I'm the one who's come to set the captives free, and you're making captives. And Jesus, that's why he says, he says, I am the shepherd. I'm the only shepherd. And those who have come, you know, my folks did not even listen to you because they knew what you were saying was li- were, were lies. And, and so often, unfortunately, in our life, we have the people in our life lie to us and oppress us. And a lot of times they don't even know they're doing it. You know, and so in, in modern culture, this would be talking about, this would be talking about your professors. Who are the people lumping, putting things on you that are telling you that you're going to have life? Th- this is the world telling you if you have money, then that will give you life. Who's saying that to you? That's like a Pharisee. That's a law. They're saying, if you do this, and you'll do this. These works things, right? These, these could be people in your life. Uh, this could be coaches in your life. They're equating your value uh, with what you, how you play and what you do. Th- this can be the religious culture. This is, this is where I'm going. This could be the religious culture that says your marriage should look like this. You should give this much. And if you don't, then you can't belong. That's exactly what these religious rulers were doing. I would say that the people who come to our church, this is the number one issue that they get healed from, is the lie that the father is somehow mad, sad, or disappointed with them because of their behavior, right? And that's just not true. That's a lie. That's a lie that oppresses us. And Jesus says, no, I've come to give life to the full. I've experienced this one time. If you've been on the life course years back, um, I was a little kid. And I hated church because I was like, had to be good. I'd wear uncomfortable shoes and stuff. And one day after church, it was like the day that they were breaking ground on our new built church building. And the bishop was there. And like all the fancy people, he had his hat on. And it was the Episcopal Church. We love the Episcopalians. And, um, and they had like a golden shovel, right? Just for real. They had coffee and cake set up there. They had it marked out with a ribbon you know, where they're going to dig, and they're all happy and celebrating. It was, it was right next to this big old tree, right? And I bet my brother, an otter pop, that I could catch him. It was hide and seek. So I let him go hide for a while. Uh, and then I went, and I, I knew he was going to be coming over to that, that party because there was cake, right? I knew it. So I climbed up in this tree. I climbed up in this tree, and I was waiting for him to walk under me, and I was going to do a Rambo spear, jump on you, move. I would have killed him. I would have broke his back at least. Maybe his neck, depending on where I am. You know, wherever. 
It would have been bad, right? And so I'm waiting for him, and here he comes. I'm like, oh, snap, here we go, right? And I jump out for a branch, get ready to drop. Don't drop in time. Swing upside down. Woo! Let go. Do a cat move somehow in the air and flip back over. Land on my arm and goose break it. Goose neck break it is what they call it. You snap both. It's this arm, it's kind of crookedy, right? You snap both pieces of your arm, and it goes like, like that. It looks like a gooseneck, right? Well, I got up, and the disgust on people's faces, the anger, like, you just messing this up, boy. Like, what in the world just happened? Confusion, you know? And you could tell all of these negative emotions that were people were just feeling towards me. It was, it was horrible, and, and that was the association. That association began my emotional connection to what and how people feel about me in the church. Feel about me in the church. The bishop, oh my gosh. I mean, he probably wouldn't have hit me with a shovel, right? <laughs> and they went and got my mom. It was so, so bad. But that was an association. That's an example of someone just saying one thing or doing one thing or one thing happens. And do you know that every time that you remember something like that, the emotional baggage that comes back with it, unless there's healing, the emotional baggage, every time you think of something that was traumatic in your life, comes back, your body internalizes it, and often you will get sick. Often it will manifest in physical ways. That's why we need inner healing. That's why we need God to be able to take us back to the memory, heal the memory, we still remember it, but the emotions don't come back. The emotions don't come back, and that begins a journey of healing. But that's what happened, and that is what happened with all of us. It doesn't mean that this kind of oppression and abuse only comes whenever, like, a pastor molests someone. That's, right? Or, or, or someone, a, a kid runs across the room, and, and someone yells at them saying, God hates that you're running. I can't believe you're running in the house of God. He hates that. He hates you. I'm not you, but he hates when children run, and you're like, devastated or a Sunday school teacher it doesn't have to be those things it can be little things whenever I used to walk down the aisle with my mom to go to church people did not want us to sit by them and they would sneer at us they would they would look at me in a certain way because I was crazy right life to the full when I was a kid and over time over time I didn't want to have anything to do with the church I didn't want to have anything to do with the church because that seed that God had given me that desired and that craved life to the full, my experience in the church said, I know that it's not there. I know that I'm not going to get it there because when I go to church, I feel oppressed. I feel worn out. I feel judged. I feel like I am not welcome. And that is one of the main ways that the enemy attacks us. That's one of the main things that he does. Okay, I'm going to skip down, okay? Now, here are some of the things that this passage says for us to remember today. Because I believe the invitation for life is today. God is inviting you into life today. We had a word during worship where someone said, some of you, we're singing that song, some of you are in your darkest hour, and, and uh, on this day, this is the day that you're going to receive life. This is the day that Christ is going to heal you. This is the day that you're going to come home. Or this is the day that you are going to come to Christ for the first time and experience life for the first time. Jesus in this passage says, I am the door of the sheep. I'm the only door of the sheep is what he's talking about here. 
I am the only one who can give you life now and for eternity. Eternity, 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 it, it, it means, it, it gets, it, it's about, again, us experiencing life to the full. It means unending, not later. Eternity does not mean later. It means it's unending from the point that you begin the new day, the point that you come to Christ. It means from that point on, you are going to begin to experience a life that you never have. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, if any of you, regardless of what you've done or what you will do or what's been done to you or what you've done to other people, it doesn't matter. The cross is enough. Anyone who enters the gates, come on in. They're part of my family. And you'll be able to go back and forth, back and forth, because it's safe. I came that they might have life abundantly. I am the good shepherd. How do you know that I'm the good shepherd? Because I'm going to give you everything that you need to have life to the full. All of your brokenness, I will take on. All of your sin, I will take on. I'm going to take that on by dying for you. I'm going to lay my life down for you because I love you. This morning, Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me. I've laid down my life for you. I want you to have life to the full. I will show you who you really are. I will show you how wonderful you are. I will show you how beautiful I see you as, how my Father looks at you, and there is only adoration. There's only affection. There is only joy in my Father's heart when he looks down and sees you. There is no madness, no sadness, no angriness, none of that. None of that. Come to me. Come to me. And let me remind you of who you really are. Biggie Smalls, the rapper, says this. You don't think I know my boy? Come on. I had another one by Kid Cud something. All right. He says this. If you don't love yourself, I'll make you see your own heart. Boom! That could have come from, that's, that could have come from Jesus. He could have been like flipping through the Bible. Oh, this is a great verse for a rap. If you don't love yourself, I'll make you see your own heart. That is where abundant life begins. When you come to Jesus, it's not about starting to do all these things. You come to Jesus, and he just says, Antley, let me remind you of who you really are. You don't see your heart anymore. You've allowed the world, you've allowed oppression, you've allowed religion, you've allowed others, you've allowed all these things, and you are on a zero, consciousness and identity times zero, whatever that was, and you don't even know how you got there, so come to me, and I will be the one who reminds you, I will be the one who restores you, because I am the only one who truly sees your heart truly sees who you are. Let's stand. That's just a great line. If you don't love yourself, I'll make you see your own heart. If you don't love yourself. Kid Cuddy said, I mean, I don't, if I write that down, I'm saying it at some point. I'm on the pursuit of happiness. I know everything that shines ain't always gold. I'll be fine once I get it. 
I'll be good. I'm the pursuit of happiness. I know that everything shines. There's a lot more things that shine besides gold. And when I get it, I'll be okay. I'll get it, I'll be okay. That's the lie that we believe. And Jesus says, I see your heart. I'm going to change that. I'm going to change your desires. Just come to me. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you're not experiencing abundant life. The invitation, like I said, is to come and receive him, to come and begin to follow him. Now, if you choose to believe that, this is the truth. If your life is going sideways, you're not sure that you have a relationship with God for whatever reason, and, and you're questioning whether this is true or not, and, and, I, and you choose to believe this, and I'm wrong, and I'm wrong, I'm totally wrong. This whole Jesus thing is fake. What do you lose? You lose nothing. You lose nothing. It's gone. It doesn't matter. It's empty. It doesn't matter. But if I'm right, if I'm right about Jesus, and Jesus absolutely walked the earth, we know that, right? Christian and non-Christians know that Jesus walked the earth for a fact. Okay, we know that he did miracles. Fact. But if you choose not to believe that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the only good shepherd, that he is the one and the only one that can give you life, that he has laid down his life for your sin, for your brokenness, and only he can lead you and bring you to the Father. If you choose not to believe that, and I'm right, you lose everything. You lose, you lose eternity now and forever. You lose life now abundantly and forever. I used to say this to young kids all the time. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose this morning? Nothing. Nothing. And you have everything to gain. Now, if you're a believer and you're here, you have everything to gain by coming forward this morning and saying, I want more. I just want more. Not because I want to engage in the battle, because I've forgotten who I am. Over time, I've forgotten who I am. And Jesus is inviting you this morning to come. He's inviting you to come down here so that he can remind you of what he sees in you. That he can show you and remind you of the heart that he has given you that is good.